Good morning. <clears throat> There's a frog in my throat. <clears> throat. If you're a believer, I hope you've been challenged uh, and inspired through this present sermon series uh, of, of Romans. But it may well be you're here today, you're not yet a believer. And I hope that you can see that Christian faith is clearly not man-made nor thought up by some clever person. But it must have its origin and source in God. And indeed, if you read through Romans, and I encourage you to do that throughout the course of this sermon series, you'll find at the end of Romans chapter 11, Paul spontaneously bursts uh, and utters a doxology, a short hymn of praise, because his mind is blown by the sheer majesty of the gospel and its implications. And our message this morning will focus on the gospel. So please join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we believe that your word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And we pray that through the Holy Spirit, whom we focus on in the catechism question, might lead and guide us, help us not only to understand, but write your word upon our hearts that we might be doers of your word. This is our earnest prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There's a sermon outline that was uh, inserted in your bulletin as you came in, and that will be helpful if you have it in front of you, as well as uh, 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 the passage. Now, Romans is one of Paul's greatest epistles. It's full of theological insight. And I believe the message of the whole epistle can be summarized in three words, each word beginning with the letter G. Can you guess what these three words might be? Any Sunday school student can give us the first one. First is God. And the second is gospel. And the third is Grace. God, gospel, and grace. It's a few weeks back now, but when we commence the sermon series on Romans 1, remember Paul points out that there is no excuse for not knowing and worshipping the true God, the one true God who lives and who created the world and everything in it. In fact, it's sheer foolishness, absurdity to either worship the creature, that is, creatures created by God, or worship a particular creature. That is, to worship yourself. That's the first G, God. The second G is gospel. And again, as Paul commences this epistle, he explains in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1 that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, for in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And the third G is grace, and that came through very clearly in the sermon last week by Pastor Eugene, where we looked at Abraham, and we who are the spiritual descendants of Abraham were saved by grace through faith. Verse 16 of Romans 4 says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, 
and may be granted to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are, who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. I didn't see him during the break, but we have a newcomer uh, in our midst at Grace Point, and I encourage you to invite your family members and friends and neighbours and colleagues uh, to come to the a Sunday service once you've built up a relationship with them. Uh, but we do have somebody new who's been here a few times. He's from Indonesia originally. And he, he and his family come from a, a church group, a denomination in Indonesia called Gereja Reform Injili Indonesia, which means um, the Evangelical Reform Church of Indonesia. And it was founded by a famous preacher who left the mainline Presbyterian or reformed denomination and set up uh, this denomination. It's fast-growing. It's got huge um, church building and theological college in Jakarta. But the reason he moved to set up this new denomination, because he assessed he was, he believed that the mainline church no longer had the gospel at the heart of the life and ministry. It was still a church, but the gospel was not at the uh, very centre of the life and ministry of this denomination. But what about you, who are sitting here this morning? Do you know what the gospel is? Do you believe the gospel? Can you explain the gospel to others? In point of fact, what place does the gospel have in your life? Is it truly front and center in your life? It's very rare for me to watch uh, television these days because um, our dog, Sam's, is no longer with us and I normally used to watch it sitting with him. But last Sunday night... Uh, there was an SBS documentary on the Hillsong Church, uh, which I, I recommend you to look at if you have time, SBS On Demand. But I'm not so much talking about the Hillsong Church, but about the presenter. The, the presenter is probably somebody you might be familiar with, Mark Fennell. He compares quite a few of the programs on the ABC channels. He grew up in several Pentecostal churches, including Hillsong. And he went to several famous Christian churches in which I know some of the teachers. One is present here this morning. And I know members of the school council. But what struck me when he presented this documentary on Hillsong, he says he today is an avowed atheist. And what struck me was he's had all this exposure in these churches, including Hillsong, but where was the gospel in his life? Now, that's about him, Mark Fennell. The question that's far more important, far more relevant, where is the gospel in your life? So Paul's epistle is about the gospel and living as men and women who are gospel-based and gospel-centered. And if you look at the outline, I've given you a broad outline of the whole epistle of, of uh, Romans. Chapters 1 to 8 talks about God's righteousness and the means of salvation. And then there's a very interesting section in the middle, chapters 9 to 11, a special focus on Israel. It's really an overview of salvation history. It's, it's explaining the unfolding of God's plan for the gospel. 
And then the final chapters, 12 to 16, uh, talks about Jew and Gentile living as new men and women in Christ, gospel-based, gospel-centered living. And from the Bible reading that was read to us by Juliana, uh, Romans 5, verses 1 to 11, we're going to look at four points. Uh, Firstly, the gospel and faith, faith in the faithfulness of Christ, the gospel and hope, true and certain hope in the hopeless world, the gospel and God's love, and the offer of the gospel. Have you been paying attention to the songs? We sang that we began by singing Jesus Christ, my living hope. And then in, in, in Christ alone, we talked about the wrath of God being satisfied. This is actually taken from our passage. And we're going to end the service later on singing about God's love, which is vast as the ocean. And do you remember the catechism? Focus on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enables us to call God Abba, Father. So firstly then, uh, the gospel and faith in Christ, or we could word it faith in the faithfulness of Christ. And throughout this uh, sermon series, again and again, we have been reminded that we are saved or put right with God, not by works righteousness, not by our achievements, not by our prestige, but by the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. And again, referring to last week's sermon by Pastor Eugene, based on Romans 4, like Abraham, for us, faith alone saves. Verse 22 of chapter 4, it was credited to him as righteousness, that is, because of his faith in the promises of God. Now, for those who might be interested... Theologians speak about Christ's righteousness imputed to us. What that means is God's righteousness originates outside of us. It originates in God, but it is credited or imputed to us. In other words, we can't save ourselves by our own effort. God needs to reach down in order to save us. But we need to receive God's gift through faith. And you've noticed very clearly, I'm sure, that in these earlier chapters of Romans, Paul uses language from the law courts. And do you remember? When Warren preached his sermon, he he helped us understand the dynamics of a law court. And that's why the term justified or justification is used. And in this first point, we're going to look at the results of being justified. And Let me read again verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So we are declared righteous in God's sight, we have peace with God, and we have access into God's grace. Now, being justified or declared righteous, declared righteous is a legal expression for being given the status as if righteous. That is not viewed anymore as a sinner. Uh, if you know anything about Western history, you might have heard of King Henry VIII. What is he famous for, King Henry VIII? How many? Six wives. But you probably didn't know Henry VIII was very good at um, 
jousting, you know, with, with the lance sitting on the horse. He was a very, very good athlete. The pictures you see of him, he looks very stoutly. That's later on in life. Maybe like me, he, he took on his parents' shape as he got older. Henry VIII is famous in history because he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn. Now, if you're thinking of marriage, it's, it's a very important step spiritually, but legally there are steps you need to follow. So if you're already married, you can't marry again. And in those days, you couldn't be divorced. So the only way for Henry to, uh, to marry Anne Boleyn was to have his first marriage legally regarded as no longer a marriage. Catherine of Aragon. And it's called an annulment. And given the status as if never married. Therefore free to marry. Now, I don't do marriages, so please do not approach me to solemnize your marriage. Uh, I, I protest against the government because I have lots of marriage certificates at home, but they're useless now because in my, my marriage certificates, it has, you have to put down the name of the groom and the name of the bridegroom. But now it's applicant one and applicant two. Well, if you want to do it, you do it yourself. I don't want to do your job for your government. And in the old days, what would we put in under groom for a single person? Do you know the word? The technical word is bachelor. And what's the female? It's not bachelorette. <laughs> it's spinster. And that's what we had to write, bachelor and spinster. This is proper English. But then because people, there is, we don't like these terms. So we had to put down never validly married, never validly married. Therefore, legally, the status not married. That's an omen. So that's an example of a legal declaration to help you understand we are sinners, but God makes a legal declaration where we're regarded as not married. Let me give you one other example I found yesterday on Facebook from my friend, a famous, not, not famous, but probably famous, a faithful Presbyterian elder in the country in New South Wales. In 1913, in America, 10-year-old Sarah Rector, R-E-C-T-O-R, she's a, a black lady, received a land allotment of 160 acres in Oklahoma. The best farming land was reserved for whites. So she was given a barren plot. Can you see where it's going? Oil was discovered there. And she became the country's first black millionaire. She was so wealthy that the Oklahoma legislature legally declared her to be a white person. That's what legal declaration means. That's what forensic declaration means. Being justified by faith in Christ means that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as a sinner. We are sinners. But he sees us as righteous because of Christ's righteousness, which is imputed or credited to us when we have faith in him and in his faithfulness. And that's the origin of the phrase, clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And we also have peace with God because we're reconciled with God. Sin is dealt with. It's over. It has no more sway in our lives. 
And do you remember in the Bible passage from Romans 4 in our previous weeks, the quotation from Psalm 32, our sins have been blotted out. They no longer count. Let me read the final two verses of our Bible reading this morning, verses 9 and 11. Since we have now been justified by his blood, that is by his death, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. If you've been a believer for a while and you've been to various churches or various Christian uh, groups, campus Bible study groups or uh, whatever Christian groups, you may have heard the phrase, God is a God of love. And we're going to focus on that in a moment. God hates the sin but loves the sinner. Have you heard that? God hates the sin but loves the sinner. Completely wrong. Theologically incorrect. Verse 9 speaks about the wrath of God. God's anger on sinners, and we're all sinners. We saw that in Romans chapter 3, and in the song we sang, in Christ alone, God's wrath has been satisfied. Verses 9 to 11 I just read, refers to God's wrath, and refers to us before we become believers, before we have faith in Christ, before we have faith in Christ's forgiveness, we are God's enemies. How well do you know Pastor Elliot Koo? Who is his theological hero? Does anyone? It begins with letter A. Augustine. And which town did Augustine come from? Hippo, which is in, um, which is in northern Africa. Um, so near, near modern-day Tunis. What did Augustine say? Oh, Lord, you have created us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In other words, we're not a, a result of some random process, but we are created by a design, and part of that design is a relationship with God and a yearning for God. It's there. We can't deny it. And we're going to have restless lives until we find rest or peace in God. And that's only possible through faith in Christ. Our catechism question was about the Holy Spirit. God draws us to himself through the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, through various events in our lives, which, from a human point of view, they're normal events. Car accident, lost the job, break up with a girlfriend or boyfriend, um, parents' business went bankrupt. These are so-called normal events. But in our own life, there may be a series of events, one after the other, that God is leading us through, and we're struggling to find who we are and the purpose of life, but ultimately we're struggling to find peace with God. And if you're here this morning and you're not yet a believer, it may well be that at this very moment, God is leading you through these uh, this series of, of events. He's working in your heart through the Holy Spirit. You're restless, not because you, 
You're possibly in love. You're restless because you're not at peace with God. And you can't quite explain it. And you're, you're going to continue to be restless until, like the Apostle Paul, who was kicking against the goats and fighting tooth and nail and resisting. You won't find rest until you find rest and peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And there we have the summary of the gospel, the name Jesus Christ. Jesus means saviour, Christ means Messiah, or the anointed one, the one that God sent into the world, anointed and sent into the world to carry out his plan for salvation. And as we seek to understand uh, even more about what it means to be justified, we are told we have direct access into God's grace, in which we now stand. That's verse 2. And it's, the gospel is about our standing. Where do we stand before God? And as we heard from the catechism, Paul spells this out in Romans 8, verse 15. As sons and daughters of God, we have the privilege of calling God Abba Father. And so this phrase, faith in Christ, is full of meaning. On one level... It's about believing in Christ, dying for our sins in our place, to deal with God's wrath. But it also means entrusting our lives to him. But on another level, it's a reference to Christ's perfect obedience as a human being, to die in our place so that righteousness, his righteousness, can be credited or imputed to us. In other words, Jesus of Nazareth, is the promised Christ, the promised Messiah who fulfills God's plan for the salvation of men and women with respect to the promises he made to Abraham. Faith in Christ, entrusting our lives to Christ. In the original language, it's the same root word. Have you entrusted your life to Christ? Let me warn you, you won't have peace in your life until you do. Of course you can try to cover up the restlessness in your life by your activity, by your achievements, your relationships. But true faith, true peace is only found through faith in Christ. And the second aspect of the gospel we want to focus on this morning is hope. And let me read the second part of verse 2 to verse 5. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Oh, sorry, hope does not put us to shame. So I'm memorizing the Bible from another translation. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's a bane for those of us who use English Bibles. Essentially, there's only one Chinese Bible and there's only one Indonesian Bible. There are too many English versions. But the important thing is you're reading the Bible. What is Paul saying here? He's taking it, taking it as a given that Christians are going to suffer. So the Jewish Christians who were reading Romans, they're going to suffer at the hands of their fellow Jews. And the Gentile Christians, remember this is very early on, we're possibly before 60 AD, not many Gentiles become Christians, and they're in a Gentile world. They're in a world that's uh, governed by pagan worship, and pagan lifestyle. And they stood out from their uh, uh, culture and environment 
when Gentiles became Christians, and many of them suffered. And I know that not a few of you who are present here this morning uh, have challenging relationships with your non-believing parents or other family members. And if you're still living at home, you can't easily avoid the challenges you're facing. And for you, if you've been a believer for some time, it's been an ongoing experience. But if you've understood the verses we've just read and that the gospel is about hope, be assured that God is using this to mould your spiritual character. You see, Paul hastens to explain that the suffering, he talks about even rejoicing and glorying it. The context is in the sure and certain hope we have in Christ. Now, this is not just a declaration. This is not just an explanation. Because quite often God gives a declaration, but at the same time he gives a practical confirmation. And the confirmation is that we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And with the Holy Spirit in our hearts, uh, we're brought into a deeper experience of God's love. Well, the catechism question was about the Holy Spirit. How do we know that we have the Holy Spirit in us? Just think about that for a moment. How do you and I know that the Holy Spirit is in us? I'll try to... uh, invite us to do a little bit of logical thinking. Do you remember Romans 3? It says, there is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Now, I know most of you don't watch the news or uh, follow political things, uh, but one, one, uh, one high minister in the present government said... I think the year 2021, no one knew anything. No one knew anything. That's absolute. There is no one who understands, this is Romans 3, there is no one who seeks God. That's absolute. No one. Zilch, not even one person. But if you're a believer today, how did you become a believer? Do you have peace with God? Do you experience that as a believer? How did that come about? It could only have come about even though there is no one who understands, no one who seeks to God, because God had been working in your heart at the right time through the Holy Spirit and draw you, drew you and brought you to the point where you profess faith in Christ. And in Ephesians 1, 13, 14... Paul explains that when we believe in Jesus, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So Paul talks about hope in the context of suffering, and he talks about the Holy Spirit given to us, and about God's love being poured into our hearts. You know, not just sort of sprinkling, or... A few drops here or there, poured into our hearts. And therefore, we have the hope of the glory of God despite our present suffering. We have, and this hope uh, shapes our spiritual character. And uh, 
I cited another version, the new revised standard version. Hope does not disappoint. It doesn't put us to shame. People might laugh at us. Family members, you believe in Christianity? You believe in that Jesus? We're not put to shame. We're not disappointed. To what extent do you and I live with hope in our hearts? And is your spiritual life being moulded, shaped and developed? I think some of you uh, have heard me say that my phone doesn't ring very often. I'm not talking about um, nuisance calls, but real phone calls. I don't get many phone calls now because after I um, officially retired from my former ministry. But often when my phone rings, a real phone call, it's the news of someone seriously ill or there's a funeral. So I just discovered um, uh, one of my friends passed away and the funeral was next Thursday. He's actually the father of the pastor of um, Evangelical Free Church at East Linville where... um, Is it Jason? Jason goes to... um, um, Justin. Always confuse Jason and Justin. Yes, Justin. Justin goes to. And um, um, uh, who was the wedding wedding planner for the last wedding? Yeah, Jessica Wren. Jessica Wan and the... Uh, Josiah. Josiah, yeah. Josiah Jong, isn't it, right? Yeah, Cantonese to be. Their pastor, that's what it's... Dear Pastor John, so John's father just died. And uh, well, I've known him since the early 60s, I think. And he's had a long life and, uh, you know, we, we lost touch. He, he lives in Sydney, uh, in Epping, actually, not very far from <clears throat> other people um, in Epping. And uh, he's had challenges. But he had everlasting hope in Christ. And you and I won't know what Paul's talking about. The gospel of true and certain hope in a hopeless world. Unless we know the full implications of the gospel. And thirdly, the gospel and God's love. I've give, given you a, um, uh, an acronym here in the outline about God's love. It's loyal love. That's covenant love. Faithful love. It's other person-centered. It's unconditional. We don't deserve it. And it's vast without measure. We're going to sing about that. God's love vast as the ocean and it's everlasting. Let me read again verses 5 to 8. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates uh, his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us so we have God's love being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and God's love shown to us particularly at the point when we were the most vulnerable and the most powerless that is when we were still sinners that's mind-blowing that God reaches out to us in love Coming back to Paul, the author of this epistle, he began life as an enemy of Jesus Christ, an enemy of the gospel, and it was a brownie point for him to try and exterminate followers of the gospel. But what happened to his life? What happened in his life? 
it was turned upside down because he was touched by the love of God for him. Now that's Paul's experience. And it's fascinating. It's inspiring. But what about your own story, your own experience? Have you experienced God's love? Is your life motivated by the love of Christ? And then now, fourth and final point is the offer of the gospel. Because we've heard from our Bible reading this morning, we have, we've been saved from God's wrath. We are reconciled with God. And in the very next portion of Scripture, which will be the basis of next Sunday's sermon, in verse 15, Paul describes the offer as a gift. Now, don't confuse G-I-F-T with the German word. Does anyone know what the German word G-I-F-T means? It means poison. Yeah, so be very careful. They use the same alphabet, but the words are different. A gift or a present only becomes a gift after it is offered and we receive it. We need to receive it with faith to receive eternal hope and know God's love. I was reminded of this uh, only recently. Those of you who have been to Singapore might know that there's a major road going north called Holland Road. And beyond Holland Village, as it goes up to the 6th Avenue area, um, it's, it's, it's wider. And they widen the road, the government widened the road, um, sort of like the <clears throat> territorial territory uh, authorities in Canberra. They're about to take over um, a Roman Catholic hospital. The government of Singapore could just take over land. This is fr- freehold land, freehold land. They just gazetted and acquisitioned the land. And uh, we had church members who lost, I don't know, several metres of land. And compensation, can you guess the compensation? There used to be a show on television, The Price is Right. All right? I'll tell you higher or lower. Guess, guess how much compensation? Just any number. Higher. <laughs> Zero is no compensation. Where did you do mathematics? Another number? Any number? 20 bucks lower. Correct. The price is right. All the bills. And of course, those were the days when you pay by check. And some of them did not bank their check. And they were reminded, you haven't banked your check. Do you understand where this is going? Romans forces us to think legally, forensically. Once you bank the check, you accept what the government has decided. God offers us a gift. It's there. It's right in front of you, the gift of salvation. But if you don't receive it, it means nothing to you. But if you do receive it, you get all the benefits of the gift. And there is an offer in the gospel. Have you responded to the offer of the gospel? I've tried to give you an overview of the book of Romans because, you know, we're looking at the forest, but we're also looking at individual trees. And every time we read Romans, we we find things we hadn't seen there before. And it's not without significance that 
Paul concludes Romans verses 25 and 26 of chapter 16 by referring to the gospel. He began with the gospel, which originates in God and talks about God's grace. Now to him who was able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. I hope that as we leave here, you've, we all have a, a clear understanding of the gospel. But what counts is not, you know, I understand a bit more, maybe I could share it clearer. But the point is, is your life, is my life gospel-based and gospel-centered? And I've got a, an acronym here by popular request by certain people. Through the gospel, through receiving God's gift, we have peace with God and it's only through God's promise and oath. It's chapter 4 of Romans that talks particularly about the promise to Abraham. And if we look at Hebrews, God is on oath. God says it's going to happen, of course, in the future when Christ comes. So if you and I have responded to the gospel, let us live openly in light of God's hope. People should see God's peace in our lives. People should see God's hope in our lives. People should see God's love in our lives. Go and be gospel-minded, gospel-shaped, and gospel-said to people. Amen.